Chapter 1 At the Kaibeto Trading Post, an old Indian, wearing opaque sunglasses and turquoise nuggets, suspended by leather thongs from his ears, pumped gas into a 1946 Studebaker. Marshal Lawrence wedged his Ford Bronco bearing the stenciled insignia Bureau of Indian Affairs motor pool between a battered pickup and a flatbed wagon. The attractive woman next to him glanced curiously at the wagon's rubber tires, and he explained, The Navajo owner whose wagon has rubber tires is uptown. Iron-rimmed wheels signify middle class. Abby Dennis smiled, a stunning smile that reminded the director of the Western Navajo Agency that he had been too long away from metropolitan cities and fashionable women. She looked more twenty-seven than the thirty-seven years her application had stated. It seems that I have a lot to learn if I'm to succeed as a teacher out here, she said. Don't let the desolation scare you. The Arizona desert kind of grows on you after a while. Abby arched a finely winged brow in skepticism. He grinned, his teeth white against his sun-tanned face and sun-streaked hair. It's true, and there are some mighty nice people who live here. I thought I'd introduce you to old Burnett. He owns the trading post before I run you over to the Indian boarding school. If the Kaibeto trading post was any indication of the condition of the boarding school, Abby held out little hope for modern conveniences. The trading post, backed into the lee of a sheer red bluff, was an L-shaped native stone building with a corrugated tin roof and cedar post columns. A round, mesquite-staked corral and the gas pumps were the only other man-made structures in sight. Marshall came around to open the Ford's door, and Abby gratefully got out to stretch her legs, legs that she had thought too long and gangly in high school. Immediately sand worked its way into her sandals. She ignored the grating beneath her feet and let Marshall his hand solicitously at her elbow, lead her into the quiet, cool shade of the trading post's porch. The hinges squeaked as he opened the screen door for her, and the two men inside broke off their conversation at her entrance. She first noted Burnett because his shock of white hair and drooping mustache stood out against the darkness of the large room. Only when her pupils adjusted to focus on the faded blue eyes of the octogenarian, while Marshall was making the introductions, did she perceive the other man. The impact of the man's intense gaze almost stunned her. Actually, she had been aware of him even before the moment that her gaze locked with his. Later, she tried to identify that awareness the kind a mother experiences when she senses that one of her children is into some kind of mischief, the sort a wife feels when her husband's routine actions are subtly altered. But those weren't really good analogies at all. It was a primitive knowledge, as if her mind were a light that had been switched on, connected to a current 
that flows even though it can't be seen. Whatever, he coalesced within her vision into a dark shape against the myriad rows of canned goods and zinc washtubs, saddles, and coal irons.